With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. Now jobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Some podcasts do it for the fun. Some do it for the fame. Chad and Cheese? They do it for global effing domination. That's right. Bringing America to its knees was just the beginning. Now, they have their eyes set on conquering Europe. And they've drafted industry veteran Levan von Neuerhauser of Belgium to help them navigate the old country and bring HR's most dangerous podcast across the pond to trash talk like never before. Not safe for work in any language. The Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. Oh, yeah. American Airlines canceled close to 2,000 flights over the weekend. Thanks mostly to labor shortages. Welcome to the metaverse, motherfuckers. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel, live from Glasgow, Cheeseman. And this is Chad straight out of Krakow, so wash. Now I'm once again just leaving. And on this episode... Assessio says, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. The UK's war on strip clubs, and it's a work revolution up in here, y'all. And there ain't no revolution like a European revolution. Let's do this. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries, It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. Mystery guests. Mystery guest. Okay, kids, here we go. Get ready. Straight out of Krakow. That was my hint. A Harvard Business School executive grad in business marketing strategy and leadership development. He spent four years at Procter & Gamble in user experience, seven years as a managing director and VP at Luxoft. And most importantly, he is a firing squad alum. Today, he is the CEO and founder of Talent Alpha. Give it up for Rashemik Berent, a.k.a. Prez. Welcome back to the show, Prez. What's up? Good to be back. Prez is here for sloppy seconds. He came back. Very nice. Very nice. So this is this is going to be a little less stressful, possibly. I don't know. Levin's on this show. It, it, it might be more stressful uh, than the than the uh, firing squad episode. Uh, tell us what you've been up to, man. Well, I've been building uh, Talent Alpha since the last time we met in back in I think it was 2018. Still, when we were just starting up. Uh, right now, the business is booming, and the pandemic uh, has been really the accelerator to this. Uh, enjoying uh, all of the 
turmoil on the local markets and, uh, and the 38 countries where we already operate and looking forward to the show. Thanks for having me. Look at you. They've, they've grown up so much since 2018. Is that when we talked to you? Oh, they've so much. They get me teary eyed. Uh, so much. Yeah. So much growing up to do. So, so, so little. Up. I remember how small they were back then. Yeah. Such a little tyke <laughs> when we talked to them and look at them now. So sexy. I've got a shout out, everybody. Okay. Hit it. Freelancing is my shout out. Uh, maybe this is what happens when everyone has government funded health care uh, in Europe. Time to quit that crappy job and gig for a living. So last week, uh, LinkedIn announced that after signing up some 2 million Americans to its new gig platform, that it would roll out to the rest of the world. Well, hello there, European Union and the UK, where some 170 million folks are on LinkedIn's platform. LinkedIn posted revenues of $3.1 billion during the last quarter, a year-on-year jump of 42%. Uh, also, we talked about France-based Freelance.com recently, which yep. is a public company, and they're crushing it. Last month, the company reported revenue growth of 60% in the first half of the financial year, bringing the France-based gig site's total revenue to 212 million euros. Want some more gig news, everybody? Upwork announced last month a 32% year-on-year revenue increase for the third quarter, taking its total earnings to $128 million. So shout out to Freelance Nation coming to a recruitment strategy near you. Kind of gives you a some insight on why LinkedIn started that platform, right? A uh, big right. shout out to Cornerstone On Demand. So during our last European show, we said that we would be looking for some big moves from Cornerstone On Demand after moving from public back to private, meaning acquisitions for the most part. We expected mm -hmm. their big moves to be acquisitions. Well, I've received some internal pictures and their big move seems to be, wait for it kids, changing their logo and color scheme a la Career Builder. <laughs> okay. Real quick. Real quick. I've got a I've got a quick message for Cornerstone. Come come close, Cornerstone. Listen. Hey buddy. You don't need a new coat of paint. You need new tech. So I'll stop applying lipstick to that same old fucking pig and start building for the future. Okay. Don't follow, don't follow career builder. You just got chatted. Oh, hell no. Uh, leaving. Talk to me about your favorite man. <laughs> Elon, Elon Musk, Elon, my hero. He just announced that if the United Nations are the food program from the United Nations can convince him that his $6 billion can change the world, he will donate it. And I know you don't believe it, and I know you think he's going to try to get out of it, but an Elon we trust, I believe it, he's going to do it. <laughs> so this is this is in response to the, what, what, what was it, the UN's food program or something like that? They actually yeah. said if they had 2% of Elon Musk's uh, worth or some shit like that, that they could actually, you know, feed the world. And he came back and said, if you prove it to me, I'll give it to you. Is that is that where we're going with this? Exactly. Yeah. And I think they won't be able to prove it, but it'll do it anyway. You know, Hertz, Hertz <laughs> just bought 100,000 Teslas and like 50,000 of them will be Uber drivers. Uh, I, most Europeans would probably want more Teslas than they would uh, the six billion to save the planet. But maybe that's just me. Am I right? In, to become president of the United States, you need to be born in the United States? Yes. You do. Yeah. Okay. So Elon will never become your president. 
Uh, he was born in the in South Africa, I believe. Yep. He can he can be the president of the world. Yeah, even better. He's a real Elon American Trump. success story, baby. Prez, what do you think about Elon over there in uh, in Poland in Krakow? Well, definitely, he's been the one that uh, that has many eyeballs on him, and people are watching. You know his whereabouts. Uh, uh, I saw that tweet uh, where he committed that six billion, and I thought, oh, if anyone can do that, he might be the one to pull this off. But he would hold the United Nations kind of accountable for for the money he he gives. You know, I also follow the U.S. kind of topics uh, when they when they say tax the rich, and I think there is some truth to that as well, right? So let's see what these guys are up to in the 2022. Yeah, the the the. The kicker is it's going to all be in Dogecoin. They're in the internet. <laughs> if he says it's going to be in Dogecoin. It may or may not be worth that much. Ma, I don't know. It, will, it might rise if he says so. Yeah. Or he'll go on Saturday Night Live and then it'll rise yeah. and then it will tank. <laughs> yeah. Prez, you got some shout outs? Uh, absolutely. So as the ambassador of the Central and Eastern European uh, uh, region, I wanted first to shout out to the Central and Eastern European talent, specifically to all of the female and male software engineers who have been making our market so hot for so many decades. The market has been absolutely crazy over the 2021 and the shout out goes to them. Uh, my number two goes to actually following on the uh, uh, the Ted Lasso shoutouts uh, in the previous yes. show. Oh, I wanted to shout out go. to the fans of the D Great uh, and the season two premieres in three weeks. Uh, Haza to everyone who's really watching that show. I'm a big fan and can't wait for this to come. How many Halloween costumes did I have to endure of Ted Lasso? <laughs> and my number three is actually an anti shoutout. If you guys accept these, I wanted of to. Call them rants, though. We call them rants. Rants. All right. Let's rant some of the central banks and governments for letting the inflation out of control. You guys have fucked it up uh, in a beautiful way. Romania, 6.2.9%. Estonia, 6.6%. Poland, 6.8%. Right? Russia, 7.4%. Ukraine, 11%. You know, if our markets were attractive because of the cost arbitrage, I think these days are gone. Thank you. Ouch. Whoops. I'll ask, I'll ask a dumb American question. Are they in the G20? No, we're not. Okay. Because the G20 is all, all uh, agreeing on a, like a, a, a minimum tax rate for companies, right? Is that good for Poland because they're outside of that realm? Are they going to pull in a lot of tech companies now? Well, there, there is a fair presence of tech companies over here, and it's been growing over the years, right? Uh, uh, lately, uh, the foreign investments have been stagnating slightly. That's because of our internal politics and also some of the battles between the Polish government and and Brussels, meaning the EU. So you welcome a, ma- a minimum tax on, on companies in those countries? Of course we do, right? Because a lot okay. of that is being transferred out, right? Uh, uh, you know, to, to Ireland and then to other kind of uh, tax havens. So, yep. Now it's coming to Poland, baby. Time to party. This is a great transition into the uh, future of work report. You got something there, Cheeseman? Yeah, yeah. Let's mention first, though, that uh, Chad, you and I are going to uh, Brussels this Ooh, month that's to celebrate right. uh, American Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you. Uh, if you want to come join us, uh, the, the, the URL is, is escaping me. E-recruitments, e-recruitments, and then how do you call it? Dash? Dash congress.com. <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Dash. And I'll be there. A couple of our friends of the show will be there. It'll be a good time. We'll get some good content. So make sure that uh, you look out for that. Prez is going to be there. I am coming. Yes. Are you coming? Yeah, indeed. I saw... Uh, I saw someone from Poland actually registered. So that's you. 
That was me, cool. yes. <laughs> He's so shocked. <laughs> Someone from Poland is coming. <laughs> Holy shit. You do realize that most of the speaking will be in Dutch. Well, the uh, challenges will be there, and we are going to have our Duval competition, so that's why I'm coming. Duval yes. competition. Say more about that. <laughs> Can I win some Duval? Can I drink as much Duval as you want? Oh, okay, then uh, I'm I'm in on that competition. Yes, yeah, all right. Let's get to some actual. Thank you. Uh, I guess topics. All right. This is a report done by our our friends at Talent Alpha, who Prez represents. So called the A3 Work Revolution. Uh, the A3 means anytime, any place, anywhere. The annual Future of Work report produced by the company is now available for download at talent-alpha.com. It analyzes the challenges and opportunities arising from changes in the way work is performed, from flexible working hours through new forms of employment to the ability to match talent and demand from all over the globe. Prez, this is your baby. Take it away. What does this report reveal? Well, first of all, it reveals that we are experiencing a super acceleration of trends, right? Uh, Clearly, 2021 has shifted so many things around us, uh, forcing many companies, both uh, small and big, to really change the way they think about about talent and talent acquisition. So every year when we write the Future of Work report, we invite... uh, Industry experts, analysts, uh, as well the executives from the different uh, parts of the market to help us kind of look at uh, the market holistically. And this year we are looking at a couple of topics, starting with the A3 revolution itself, where we break it down into what it really means and how companies can get ready for that. Then diving into the talent shortage and really saying that, you know, what we have been experiencing over the past, uh, say, nine months is here to stay, right? And it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, especially when it comes to tech talent. And then we talk and dive into some of the remedies for the challenges that the businesses face. First, we talk about open talent, how the different talent uh, uh, platforms can help it, the gig work, the freelance work that you just mentioned, all of the announcements in the in the shout outs. And last, we talk on how companies should ad- adjust to all of these uh, changes and how they should think differently about their strategy, basically telling them, you know, you need to adapt or die because the old world is not coming back. It's not coming back. Are we sure of that? We know that employees right now, it's an employee market. So the market power is on the employee side. Do we really feel like this is permanent or will it shift dramatically when the power is back on the employer side of the house? I don't think it will come back to the old normal as we knew it prior pandemic. I agree with you that it might be kind of on the uh, on the extreme side of the pendulum and the pendulum would definitely swing back at some point in time where the market and the economy shifts. But I think some of the new habits that, uh, uh, that, that, that the talent around the globe kind of now imprinted into themselves, they're, they're there to stay. And some of their expectations and requirements as well, uh, such as you know, some of the data that we quote in the report that uh, 75% of employees want to maintain flexible hours after the pandemic, right? So even if the market shifts, right? And you know, me as a, uh, as a talent on the labor market, I have two offers. One that offers me to basically work uh, from home anytime I want. And the one that requires me to go back to the office, which one would I choose, right? So I think some of these things are here to stay regardless of the market condition. Prez, one of the things that we talk about regularly on our, our show uh, is the great resignation. I commented this past week about just how much of a complicated issue 
the great resignation is. Some people say it's just a money question, right? Just pay people more money and, and, and problem solved. But it seems like there are other issues, deeper issues with people, uh, whether they, they hate going to work, they hate working in general, they want more flexibility. The work from home uh, phenomenon obviously has impacted, impacted folks. What are you seeing or what did you see in terms of the great resignation and, and takeaways from the report? And what's, what's sort of your, your viewpoint on what's going on with everyone leaving jobs? I mean, the percentages of people that say they're leaving is almost comical. Uh, what's your take? Well, I think uh, the great resignation is a fact, right? And I think what, what is not being discussed enough is uh, what is new kind of in, in, in this cycle and what's really has, uh, what has changed throughout the pandemic is that uh, a number of barriers that we used to have back in the days are no longer there, right? Uh, prior to the pandemic, companies used to recruit in the 30 mile or 30 kilometer radius from the HQ. Right now, what we do see is companies uh, recruiting basically all over the place, anywhere, right? Uh, and that's what the big part of the report is. It's not uncommon for companies from Silicon Valley or Los Angeles, right? Uh, posting jobs on Krakow local job sites offering U.S. salaries just to work for them remotely, right? And, and this is something that, you know, two years ago was not something you would think about. I think there are many other uh, forces at play. Uh, the inflation that we've mentioned also is kind of uh, driving uh, talent to consider, you know, how they can increase their income. Uh, I think the tech talent gap and again, I do believe that it's here to stay, especially when it comes to uh, IT and software development talent is also shifting the market. Really, what we are experiencing is the market where we have over-demand, and it's, uh, you know, uh, some, some of the stats and analysis we've done is that it's, it's 17 times greater uh, by 2025 than what it used to be prior to the pandemic, whereas the supply remains fairly kind of stagnant. It grows, you know, anywhere between 3 to 4% year over year. And in a market where you have so, so much demand and so little supply, the market tries to find equilibrium by increasing the price, right? So it's not uncommon in the markets where we operate to see the talent, the software engineers coming and asking for pay raises, not every 12 months as they used to, but every three months, right? Uh, uh, because at any given point in time, they have you know five other offers on the table. Prez, following up on uh, the comment about Los Angeles and San Francisco companies you know, posting jobs and hiring uh, workers in Krakow, Romania, et cetera. What are you seeing in regards to uh, this, the relationship there? Is it a contract relationship? Are they hiring full-time employees? And then based on what they're doing primarily, how are they managing those workers? Are they doing it through a, a, a company like Upwork? Or are they using uh, you know, remote.com or some of the new uh, remote work solutions? So the contracts vary, right? Some of them would be uh, hiring in directly as contractors on the B2B contract. Uh, others do it through agencies, right? So hiring actually a company, we call them software houses when uh, plenty of that talent would be available uh, for, for hire. And companies tend to actually not only tap into individuals, but entire teams. Others are leveraging platforms such as Talent Alpha, where we are actually bringing the two sides of that ecosystem together in a B2B2B uh, enterprise gateway model uh, or posting uh, uh, the uh, available skill set on, uh, on websites such as Upwork and, uh, and TopTal. Uh, so the, the ways in which uh, the talent is connected with opportunity are plenty uh, and the market is really trying to figure out which ones are the best, whether you go direct to these clients or whether you hire directly on the local market. And I think that battle is still in the air. Uh, when it comes to how they collaborate, 
I think, you know, for many of these organizations, because they've been serving international clients for so many years, uh, when it comes to the toolkit, they are just going with, uh, you know, what, they, what they've been going with uh, in the past, right? So it's uh, Teams or Hangouts uh, to, uh, to communicate. It's uh, different types of systems to manage the workflow. Um, um, time zones are still, you know, it's, it's still as a, as a challenge. But, you know, some of the consultants who are actually engaging in those types of relationships, they even tend to shift their working hours so they can have uh, more FaceTime with their customers. Well, I've, got, I've got a quick question. Question for for Levin. Now the report. Here, here's a quote from a head of talent acquisition uh, team in Poland. Uh, quote: As specialists can work from anywhere now. For example, from Poland directly for companies in Germany or the U.S. The salary expectations are growing. We need to urgently revise our compensation ranges to attract good candidate. End quote. Leaving with being a part of a, a large organization like House of HR, this is interesting to me because we're talking about wage equilibrium throughout the globe. What are you guys seeing? And is this a, a conversation you're actually having uh, at the top in leadership meetings? It's a really interesting question. Now, we actually were talking about it recently. Uh, there's a concept, social dumping. And normally it was like this. If we, for example, if you hire truck drivers from uh, Romania or Poland, that's mm -hmm. uh, the local wages, and we let them drive for a Belgium company, normally we are obliged to give them the Belgium wages because they work for a Belgium company. So what happened was some uh, shady companies were launching a truck driving company in Romania, and they hire people and then they let them drive in Belgium. Ah. And that's what we call social dumping. Some companies were um, abusing the system. And of course, it's a, a terrible wrongdoing to those people because they are driving around in Belgium. They have to, if they, uh, for, for example, if they have to stay in Belgium, they have to pay the local rents, but they are paid in, uh, in a wage which matches the Romanian or Poland system. So it's not legal, but it happens. And I'm thinking this platform economy could launch a new kind of social dumping and much, much more difficult to track. So it could become a big problem. Well, don't you think it, it will actually start to drive equilibrium because the expectation for somebody, let's say instead of drivers, let's say it's somebody who's a, an engineer, right? Maybe a, a software developer. They could start to expect bigger wages because of what they're actually seeing from the shores, maybe of the, the U.S. or maybe other areas of the world where they're actually seeing their wages rise that they can get working remote. Do you, do you see that perspectively happening on the, the remote work from home types of jobs? In the best scenario, yes. And in the worst scenario, things will turn around. Like, for example, a graphic designer working in Belgium, a Belgium guy, He's now he's got to compete to graphic designers in Pakistan and all over the world. And on Fiverr, for example, there are still so much more people offering services than there are companies hiring people. So the, it puts pressure on the daily rates. Yeah, it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, and I think uh, there will always be someone more desperate and willing to do it for less money. And that's a real problem. I got a one for Levin as well. Levin, we talked about Facebook uh, a while back and how they were uh, they pledged to hire ten thousand people 
um, in Europe, which are going to be a lot of uh, obviously technology folks. And your lies. And your com- but your comment was, oh great, now I have to deal with Facebook. You know, competing with Facebook recruiting engineers. And when you hear stories about or Prez talking about, you know, Silicon Valley coming after. Uh, Eastern European tech talent and other European tech talent. What is sort of your take on that? Because as as an American, I think like, oh yeah, you know, it's the marketplace and it's you know it's it's a new open market. Do you look at it and go, oh shit, we got to deal with Americans now coming and and giving American wages to our workers? Now we have how are we going to compete with that? What's sort of your perspective when you hear Silicon Valley is posting jobs in Romania? Well, I don't think they're going to pay to, to pay the Silicon Valley wages. I heard even in the United States they're not paying the same wages if you're not living in Silicon Valley. So uh, if we're living somewhere in the suburbs, they are bound to pay you less. Uh, but I don't really care about uh, the Americans hiring people. And I'm not I'm a bit anxious about uh, companies like Facebook actually trying to hire 10,000 engineers. We don't have enough engineers. That's a problem. Yeah. So wages have to go up. <laughs> they may not be Silicon Valley wages, but their wages are going to go up, right? No, I don't know. Maybe maybe they will. So uh, it could be a good motivation for people to study engineering. Might be a great motivation for companies to actually start manufacturing their own engineers as opposed to waiting for them just to pop out of nowhere. Ooh, reskilling. Indeed, that's the future of uh, of work. That's reskilling. It's uh, constantly reskilling and retargeting people. Yeah, when I saw that news, I was wondering how do they plan to pull this off? 10,000 engineers on any market, you know, especially if they land it in Ireland, I wish them good luck, right? So I don't see, uh, seriously, like in, in the current market uh, and their brand uh, and all of the uh, kind of social issues so that have been discussed across Europe, I would say to, to a large extent. Uh, I think this is close to mission impossible. So it might be just smoked mirrors to, you know, to be nice to the European Union. Amen, Prez. Amen. So, Prez, uh, another question about the the survey. Uh, this was a global survey, correct? Not just Europe. That is correct. Yes, we are pulling insights from all over the place. So, speaking of, there's not enough talent to go around. Uh, Chad and I talked quite a bit about the the emergence of Africa, India, and and South America as well. Do you have any opinion on, or did you did your study find any research around the growth of those areas, or what we sh- what we should expect in terms of recruiting and work from home and and sort of targeting those folks? Like, are we far from Silicon Valley? Uh, you know. Uh, posting jobs in Ghana, for example? Well, I think, you know, the, uh, the the market will force us to consider that at some point in time, right? But uh, uh, probably not, I would say, within the next uh, year or two. However, both, uh, you know, the, the markets you've mentioned, India, Latin America, Africa, I would say, is probably still emerging on the on the global uh, map, but uh, they have been very hot as well. You know, in fact, you know, we did speak to a client out of India who was looking to hire talent in Central and Eastern Europe because they couldn't find it on the local market, right? And it was a uh, kind of pretty hot uh, uh, challenger bank, right? Who you would th- you would think that on the local market uh, they would be able to attract the the talent, right? So. There's plenty of talent in, in India, kind of when you look at uh, the numbers, right? But uh, they are being employed, right? And the same market forces apply there as well, right? You have a couple of the large players, uh, such as the big outsourcers. Uh, there is plenty of the mid-market companies who are working with clients around the globe. So I think uh, it all comes down to, again, who pays more, who's got better, in, more interesting work, right? What is the work culture? And can I work from home? The one thing we did notice is that uh, uh, India really has turned 
itself around when it comes to uh, getting ready for remote work. Uh, prior to the pandemic, it used to be an issue. Uh, and they really struggled uh, when the pandemic started and, and, and they closed that gap very, very fast. Yeah, did you notice, by the way, that uh, LinkedIn launched new search filters? Remote, hybrid and on-site is now uh, an actual choice on the LinkedIn job database. Innovation, so people, Levin. Innovation. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Wow. Even with the uh, scoop. Project over there, huh? Scoop on the European show, everybody. So anyone who wants to uh, check out that survey, they can go to talent-alpha.com. And I think they can download it for free. Correct, Bez? That, that is correct. 26 pages of goodness, baby. That's true. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll talk some acquisitions and UK strippers. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. Did you say UK strippers? I did. I did. But you're going to have to wait for that. Oh. We have an acquisition. We have perhaps the most important acquisition in the history of Europe, gentlemen. <laughs> New, news out of Sweden hasn't been this important since Tengai, the recruiting robot, was born. All right. Stockholm-based Assessio has acquired Dutch technology company Elu. E-E-L-L-O-O. Uh, the press, the press release says this is a data-driven recruitment revolutionizing the HR landscape across Europe. In case you don't know, Assessio provides e-assessment for recruitment and development, while ELU is a 30-year-old company out of the Netherlands that offers recruitment selection, talent management, and labor market matching. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, which means it must have been too large for our mortal brains to comprehend. Oddly, I couldn't find one news outlet willing to cover such an impactful marriage of two companies. So I asked the Europeans, was this deal as huge as these two companies make it out to be or what? To be honest, I never, ever heard about ELO. And it's probably <laughs> it's probably my mistake. And I, It's a 30-year-old company. Come on. Yeah. They That'd be huge. No, no, no. They never called me. They never said, Levin, we are looking for your business. Never, ever. No. <laughs> What they're doing is pretty interesting, but um, I've written many press releases myself in my days, and um, <laughs> people tend to exaggerate, you know. So I feel it's maybe not the biggest deal in the history of HR in the, in the Netherlands, but it's interesting. I'm going to say that it's definitely not earth shattering, although I did reach out to Bas van de Hadrid uh, for some insights on this one because he's our assessment expert, at least in that part of the world. And uh, first and foremost, you probably didn't hear about ELO because it was a Ronstad company uh, for most of those 30 years. I think they just changed their name maybe a handful of years ago. It was actually a management buyout around uh, 2016 or something like that. They've got a great portfolio, multiple government contracts with the Dutch, a uh, great background with tech user experience with a relatively small team uh, estimated under uh, 100 people. Uh, here's a quote from Boz. So ELO is a big player with relatively low cost. I expect Assessio to start acquiring more specific suppliers like 
Arctic Shores, you've heard of those guys, already working with ELO and probably more local players, end quote. So what I'm seeing here from uh, our friends at Maine Capital is big wads of cash, and they're looking to go from the Nordics to mainland Europe. So could this be an invasion? Did, did Boss confirm that it is pronounced ELO instead of ELU? I didn't ask. I can't even get his name right for God's sakes. I mean, yeah, I, I, from what I found, I don't know these companies. Uh, Main Capital is legit. Uh, the investment arm of this, yes. uh, they do have a billion plus dollars to spend on buying companies. Not bad. Uh, they acquired Assessio back in 2019, uh, and Elu is Assessio's second acquisition in two years. Uh, Text Kernel, who we've talked about on the show uh, fairly extensively, is also a portfolio company of Main Capital as are a few other workforce uh, companies. So not earth shattering, not revolutionizing, definitely not a tin guy, but it is probably something worth keeping an eye on if you're over in Europe. Got a shit ton of cash. So yeah, I would definitely watch. Well, I'm with you on the camp that I've never come across these companies before. Uh, and I have been studying the uh, the assessment market quite a bit because we've built some of the kind of big five personality tests and creative behavior t- personality tests into our platform. The way I look at it is the private equity play, right? Where the Assessio, from what I understood, was a management buyout backed by uh, by the main capital. Um, so typically in those scenarios, uh, you, you're after growth, right? And one of the strategies to, to show dr- growth is by acquiring revenues, right? Which I assume the ELO transaction could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, bear in mind, uh, from what I've read, we are uh, marrying a, a 60-year-old company, Assessio, and a 30-year-old ELO, right? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope there is some innovation in there, but... Uh, assessment companies, yeah, assessment companies have been around forever, right? And, and I think what we've seen here is all over the world is the ones that have the ability to adopt technology and provide great interfaces, because that's really what we want. We want to be able to visualize whatever that data is coming across the, stream, the, the screen. And from my understanding, ELO is actually doing that well, where most of the other players aren't. And a lot of that uh, toolkit used in these solutions, right? It is not proprietary, right? So you need to ask yourself is what is the unique value, right? And in the interface, okay, cool, right? But, Tableau. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the story that everyone's been waiting for. UK strip clubs are under attack. Apparently, strippers in the UK have it pretty rough these days. In a lengthy report we came across last month, strip clubs throughout the kingdom are under attack. First, the pandemic put a lot of entertainers and establishments out of business, then set a lot of laws called the Policing and Crime Act, which forces venues to reapply for a license to operate every 12 months. In 2010, a club owner said that process costs anywhere from 4,000 pounds to 30,000 pounds. In the U.S., that's between $5,000 and $40,000 and gave local councils more power in dictating the fate of strip clubs. Emboldened by the legislation, anti-strip club groups have since ramped up their efforts to push for what's called nil cap bans across the country. A press secretary for the United Sex Workers said, United Sex Workers has a union, guys. Okay, said effectively Nail cap bans shut down any existing strip clubs and prevent any future clubs from opening, end quote. In the last decade alone, cities including Chester, Swansea, Exeter, Blackpool, and more have cracked down on strip clubs, 
putting strippers out of work. Refraining from making a comment about the quality of English girls not named Posh Spice. What's going on here, guys? <laughs> I guess that was the fine print of, of the Brexit campaign that many of the UK lads didn't read, huh? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> but on a serious note, you know, it's, uh, it's a huge industry, right? Uh, um, and uh, as any industry has its own problems, you know, with uh, sex trafficking being part of it. But... Uh, my take is that banning never really helped any industry, right? Nor killed it, right? So I'm not sure if right. this is the right strategy. War on drugs? How'd that work? Yeah. Welcome to the metaverse, motherfuckers. Uh, the pandemic isn't the enemy here. Feminists and Bible beaters aren't the enemy. The real enemy is only fans. The real enemy <laughs> is Pornhub. The real enemy is VR. At least so says Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, but the reality is young girls who would normally strip and deal with slimy bosses and handsy customers are flocking to the Internet. Uh, strip clubs, unless we're talking about Vegas or other destination cities, are dying. They don't have a lot of, uh, I don't know, forces counteracting the people who want them closed. To me, that's that's the whole story here. The Internet is killing strip clubs, not Bible beaters and feminists. They're both killing strip clubs. Are you fucking kidding me? Did you read this thing? Of course, it's Bible beaters beating back the fucking strip clubs. Of course it is. <laughs> Who's beating and, what? And, and well, it depends on what we're talking to you or not. But and <laughs> we also have OnlyFans. So remember, OnlyFans announced kicking uh, sex workers off their platform. That didn't work, right? Because it was so popular. Not to mention most of those sex workers said that it was more safe for them. It was a more safe environment for them to do their work. Not to mention the content that they can create that, you know, they ha they can have a libraries full of who knows what kind of content. But anyway, uh, remember the, the OnlyFans nurse who quit her job, she was a nurse, she quit her job and she was making $30,000 a month. Now, if I'm her or I'm any of these sex workers and I have these Bible thumping pieces of shit giving me a hard time, fuck them. I'm going to go online and I'm going to do this and actually make more money. So, you know, I see this as an evolution of sorts of possibly not having strip clubs unless you're in Vegas. You know, Levin's got a comment. I don't really have much sympathy for the UK strip clubs since I was thrown out of one when I was 15 <laughs> and stole. And they actually took all my money and put me on the streets. So uh, since then, I've never been in a UK strip club again. What right, What'd you do? Nothing. That's the whole point. Did you insult the queen? No, we entered, just uh, me and a friend of mine, we entered in the afternoon looking forward to the first real strip club experience. And then uh, when we sat down, some kind of a waiter came and said, are you 21? Of course, I'm not 21. I'm 15. Okay. Can you give all your money and leave? And that was uh, <laughs> the end of the story. <laughs> Perez, do you have a good strip club location country that you can send leave into since he, he can't go to the UK anymore? Well, as I was shouting out to the Central and Eastern European talent, uh, there, <laughs> there, is a good, there are good places to go for sure. Uh, what I wanted to, to comment on is that this reminds me a bit of the of retail industry, right? Where you had the brick and mortars trying to, to fight the, uh, uh, the online retail yeah. and e-commerce, right? I think this is uh, the same powers are in play. But I think what the, the retail industry didn't have is, you know, all of these activists, you know, trying to, to, to shut down the brick and mortar from the site, right? So mm -hmm. it will be interesting to watch how this evolves. Are you saying that Bezos' penis rocket may be a, a foreshadowing for sex industry coming to Amazon? <laughs> is that what you're saying? 
Oh. As, as I said in the beginning, I think it's one of the largest industries out there, huh? <laughs> I got nothing else, guys. Excellent. Prez, thanks for coming on to the show, man. For anyone who wants to follow you or know more about your company, where do you send them? Go follow my Twitter at uh, P. Barrent, or you can also follow me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on talent-alpha.com. Thanks for having me. Love it. We'll see you soon, Levin. Bye. See you in Austin. We out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.